Welcome friends to Bound Sisters, a monthly book club with Kelly, Jill, and Miranda. We are three sisters with busy lives, setting aside time to connect through books and fun conversations. Thanks for joining us and we hope you have fun too. Can everybody hear everybody? I can hear you. Okay, good. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's start. (laughs) Happy August, everybody. (laughs) We just went through a lot of technical difficulties, but we're here. Okay. (laughs) This better be the best dang episode ever. (laughs) It won't be. (laughs) Okay, in August, I picked the book, I being Miranda. And we read Really Good, actually, by Monica Hasey. Um, I don't feel like there's a lot of trigger warnings. I mean, if you don't want to read about divorce, then don't read this book. So our first question, we're just going to jump in, is at one point, Maggie says, Any, anyone trying to comfort me had, be, had been dealt an impossible task. Too much attention and care felt like pity. Not enough was proof that I was worthless and no one wanted to be around me. Do you think Maggie made this task impossible? How do we see that in her various relationships? I think she definitely made it hard for people to comfort her because, like, initially she didn't even tell anybody about it. She just kind of suffered by herself. Mm -hmm. And then, like, she only told them because she didn't, it was, was it a a trip that she wasn't going to go on? Oh, yeah. I think it was, like, a party. Yeah. It's like a birthday weekend trip or something. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm not up to it because John moved out. I don't know. It just seemed like she didn't really want them to like come over. I think she wanted the pity without asking for the pity, but um, she like pushed people away. Anytime they tried to talk to her about it, she just shut them down. Kind of like made herself out to be this huge victim of the whole situation. And at the end, one of her friends says like, Who's, her friend is really mad at her, and she says, "Like it's not this big of a this big of a deal. Like it's sad, but it's not as like world destroying as you're making it out to be." Type of a thing. Yeah, right. Because she was like coming up with all these um, how marriage is a conspiracy and all of that stuff. Like she was making it this whole um, society is against her specifically. Yeah, and attacking her and making it a personal thing. Where um, her friend was like, marriages sometimes just don't work out. And it's sad. But it's not this, like, huge phenomena. I think she was trying to make it, like, a bigger deal. Because she had not even, I think, not even two years. Right? Yeah. So I think to her, it was, like, even more embarrassing that, like, oh, my gosh. We just barely got married and we're already getting divorced. And I, in her head, I think that made it a bigger deal than, say, somebody who struggled for 10 years or something in a marriage and then was like, well, like we tried and this isn't working, you know? Mm-hmm. So. It feels like the whole divorce came about because she told her husband she wanted a divorce and he just like agreed with her. Yeah. It wasn't like he pushed back or anything like that. And so it was almost like she expected pushback and she didn't get it. And because of that, like she felt like there wasn't any um, resolution or anything like that because there was uh, there was no pushback. She didn't feel like he actually really loved her or whatever. And she did. She did a couple of times like her self-worth like really tanked. You could tell because she was just like. The person who knew like the deepest parts of me or whatever decided that I wasn't enough. Yeah, so. she talks about that a lot when she's talking about Simon, about like not wanting to open up with him because she's already been rejected by someone she opened up to. Yeah. But I feel like she really annoyed her friends <laughs> just by like one always talking about that marriage is a conspiracy and they're like out here getting married and trying to date and things like that but making the things that they're happy about not happy occasions because of the way she's feeling yeah it makes it hard to be with somebody who's like that and i obviously we didn't see the actual relationship with john but maybe that was a thing that was there yeah well and just like the we don't see a lot of john in the book but i don't see him being like this 
villain. Yeah. I don't see him being this terrible person. I mean, he did, he's stupid. Like he just up and takes the cat and then changes the information. And like, they were married. It, it was their cat and he just assumed ownership of the cat and, I don't even think she really actually liked the cat. I think it was just kind of. No, she did say in the book, she was like, she said it was her, like when he first cooked the cat, she was like, that was my baby. Like she was like really upset about the cat being taken. I mean, she got over it fairly quickly. (laughs) (laughs) How long is she supposed to do? Like even when she saw him, when she saw him on the bus, she was like, I wish he would hold the cat up to the window and make it wave at me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I was really proud of her in that moment that she didn't approach him and even say hi. Like, yeah. she just got off the bus as soon as it wasn't even her stop. She just got off the bus. And this was at the end of the book. But and then just like walked the rest of the way. So I was kind of proud of her in that moment when she did that. But um, back to the question. I did feel uh, like when she was going to the therapist and the therapist asked her, like, do you think you're the problem? She kind of was like, I don't remember her exact response, but it was almost kind of like, no, like, how could I be the problem when all these things are happening to me? Like, yeah, but <laughs> I'm like, she totally self-sabotaged Simon and like that relationship because even when they like first met and he was being nice to her, she was like, what? He's not going to make any jokes or like rude remarks to me. Like she was Mm -hmm. always expecting him to like turn around and be rude. Well, it's because she had dated all of like, she was a serial dater at that point. Like she was just on all of these dating apps and just using them for hookups. And so when this guy comes out of the blue and I really liked Simon, I felt like he was a really good guy. And even though he divulged that he had cheated on his previous girlfriend, Mm -hmm. that it honestly didn't like make me think anything worse of him, but maybe it was because, Oh my gosh, what is her name? Even Maggie. She's just like all encompassing. Like she just like sucks the energy out of the room. (laughs) So Maybe that's why it like didn't even phase me that he had been a cheater previously, but I was kind of hoping that we would learn more about his situation, but they never really got into that. Yeah. I feel like he kind of took ownership though of like his cheating situation. Mm-hmm. And he was in therapy. Right. Well, and like and they saw I'm watching The Bachelor The Bachelorette right now. And there was a guy <laughs> who made it to the final three and then he like had the same conversation with the bachelorette he was like in my last relationship i cheated on her but like the way that he approached it in that conversation she was like well what have you learned from that experience what have you done to like make yourself better and he couldn't like speak to that and then when she asked like well do you think you could cheat on me he was like well i don't want to and it's like <laughs> you're well, like, like uh... what what (laughs) yeah you know versus like i feel like john was really like i went to therapy like i've been working on it oh sorry sorry what did i say you said john 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 is the husband so simon simon was like i went to therapy like he i feel like he had a lot more self-discovery from realizing what he had done and like the choice that he had made Mm -hmm. Oh, right, I like he that's... was remorseful about it. And he wanted to um, figure out why he did it and move on from it, yeah. not just like, oh, I hope I never do this again. <laughs> so I think that's why, like, even though he had that as his past, that's why I, like, was able to, like, move past it. Well, and yeah. Simon, like, he put up with a lot from Maggie. Like, she was constantly, like, trying to evade, like, evade him. Yeah, she was trying to ruin it. She was sabotaging it every chance she got yeah like she was just he he would compliment her and she would make a snarky joke about it and eventually he um called her out on it and then she got mad at him for it and I feel like like you said that John didn't fight back for their marriage I feel like Simon is somebody who would like fight 
for a relationship and he would have sat down and talked through things with Maggie, but she wasn't willing to open up. I mean, up he and kind talk. of did. Like the fact that he's like stuck it, stuck with it for that long for this girl mm-hmm. he barely knew who like had no interest in developing more, but then she acts so like with the party with her friends and um, she called him her boyfriend and I felt really bad, like embarrassed for Simon, the way she was talking about how he could just be any guy at the wedding, but he's Simon and he's good looking and he's, you know, this and that. And so she's going to take him to her friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. And I would be so like mortified if that was me. And that was how somebody who I'd been spending time with was talking about me. And so I'm glad that Simon like called it quits at that point because I feel like she was not in a healthy place. And if he had continued, I feel like she would have just, it was all, it was borderline abusive. I would say the way she was treating him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that he decided to end things with her, but um, I was also kind of sad that she ruined it. <laughs> Cause Simon was a good guy. He was good. He was a good guy. Gold star for Simon. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but I think other people brought it up to Maggie that she hadn't ever really been alone. She hadn't had time to figure out who she was. And so it was good for her to have that time by herself. I was proud of her when he reached out and was like, I miss you. And she was just kind of like, my therapist and I have decided like this isn't a good time for me to be in a relationship. I feel like he was proud of her too. Like, yeah, I feel like he was like, good for you, Maggie. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> what word did he use? He used a funny word. I don't even think I could say it. It was, I hear my cat at my door trying to break in. I thought you were reading the book. I was like, I don't remember that part. <laughs> no. Currently my, currently, my cat is trying to break in. What? Oh, here it is. Decathic, decathic tea. If somebody knows oh. how to say that, I don't know what it is. It's on page 310. She said what it meant. It meant protecting your emotional sanity. Dictionary.com says decathet. Decathet. Decathet? Decathetting? So it's decathetting? Yep. (laughs) Like like confetti, only in reverse. (laughs) Decathetting. So like one moment that we were going to talk about was like the phone call with John, which Mm -hmm. I feel like is one of the few times that we like get to see him like kind of see them together yeah and i think when the book opens like they're already divorced right you get like a little montage like not necessarily him but like a a little montage of what their yeah of what their life was after they decided to get a divorce in between those like two weeks before he actually moved out right and you never hear it from john's perspective it's always um the whole book is maggie's perspective well, right, but you don't hear any, like, there's no dialogue from John. It's all just no. a retelling Until of, of how Maggie experienced it. So there's no, yeah, there's no dialogue in, from John until she has the phone conversation with the therapist. Mm-hmm. Which the phone I conversation think. I was imagining from, like, John's point of view and just being like, this chick is crazy. Yeah. Like. Like, the therapist starts the conversation, and she's like, hi, I'm, you know, Helen, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, is Maggie with you? And she's just like, hi, John. Hi, I'm here. Please take me back. And, like, she just completely unraveled. And I could just, and then I'm imagining all the voicemails. He's like, there's a three-part voicemail of you singing to me. (laughs) And I was just like... How embarrassing for her. Like, she's sitting there for the therapist and she's like, he's just telling her the truth. <laughs> I feel like even her therapist was sitting there like, what is happening? <laughs> well, right, because this whole time Maggie's been like acting. I mean, I'm sure her therapist sees some of it from what she's like, the things that she just spouts off randomly, her thoughts. Mm-hmm. But I don't think her therapist even saw like the whole scope of her crazy oh, yeah. that she was going and she keeps describing her therapist's face like her tight lips and i can just imagine her being like 
<laughs> making faces <laughs> as she's as like Maggie's just completely unraveling to John and John's just like I don't want to talk to you yeah <laughs> how do you think you can ask me for a divorce and then ask me to be there and hold you through it <laughs> yeah Ugh. I it thought was- that that was a really good point from him but then like later on in the book the therapist points out that both of them really didn't handle it well. Like, cause John, I mean, honestly, I was kind of frustrated for Maggie for a while because of John, because he just like radio silence, like nothing. Yeah. He right. Was, he, he left, he moved out. She was trying to get a hold of him because of the divorce proceedings. She was trying to all of this stuff. And maybe he just knew something about her that we never saw because he had been with her for so long. Maybe he knew that this was like her way of trying to like weasel in or whatever. But, um, but yeah, like she hadn't spoken to him for almost the whole year before she had that meeting set up with the therapist. He never Mm -hmm. confirmed the meeting. She just assumed it was going to happen. And then you realize that she's been calling him and well, and like she had made comments like, we're at the very beginning of how she was like, oh, I emailed him about this related to the divorce. Oh, but then sometimes she would make comments about like, oh, I texted him something funny earlier, so I can't text him now. But yeah. like, to like mm-hmm. to, for her to have that like dialogue with herself to be like, oh, I really want to text my ex-husband. Oh, I've already texted him too many times today. I guess I can't. Yeah. So like in a way, if she's really texting him like every day about things that are unrelated to the divorce, I could see how he would stop responding. But I feel like mm-hmm. he still needed to respond to the divorce-related things. Right. Like, at least email her back about divorce stuff, if that's what he wanted to keep it. Right. Or, like, if talking to her was frustrating, like, he should have done it with the therapist so that there was that mediator. Right. Well, and, like, she had mentioned, I don't remember if it was a therapist that asked or another friend, who was like, did, did he want to do the therapy? And she was like, well, he had asked, like, when we were still together, he wanted to go to therapy together, and I didn't want to. So now she has it in her head that, like, if she goes to therapy with him... He'll talk to her. Yeah, like, that this will be what he'll want, and then maybe they can fix it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, he wanted to go to therapy years ago. Before you suggest a divorce, like, it's, that's probably not something he's still interested in. Yeah, it was just a real big poop storm for her, I think, right then where, I mean, she lost it. <laughs> I want you back. There wasn't even, like, a trying to hold it back. She just broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no build up to it. She was just like, Hello. <laughs> that's what I'm saying like, he, he's talking to the therapist and like the therapist didn't even have a chance to like introduce her or like let him know he just asks about her and she, like her dam just, just broke the second broke. he said her name she was yeah. just like let me flood all my emotions on you and then like so one of the questions that you had asked Miranda was if she actually was mourning the loss of John or the loss of somebody to love her and I mm-hmm. feel like it was more of just somebody to love her because she even was talking to her dad about how like one of the benefits to being married was being able to just say all these random things to somebody like that's what she was missing Mm -hmm. and I think that's a lot of the times why she would just randomly text him like she just wanted somebody to randomly say things to yeah I like that her dad though was he said back to her that you have to listen to all of their stuff too. Right. And then he mentioned that this is what she has trouble with. And she really did. Like she, like she didn't want to listen to her friends. She didn't want to hear about what was going on in their lives. Like if they weren't listening to her um, complain about her life, then mm-hmm. she wasn't about it. Which is probably why they stopped talking to her. Yeah. (laughs) It's like that Facebook thing where like every friend group has, um, or every friend group text has like a smaller group text with all the non-annoying people in it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like that's what they did to her, where they were like, let's they did literally group. have another text group where they talked about having an intervention for her. So yeah. they did have that. So if they even included Amy, who was not originally a part of their text, like their friend group. Was Amy from the college? No, no she, she was, was Amira's. Yeah, she's Amira's co-worker. And Amira was like, hey, I know this other person who also was recently divorced. Oh, Talk okay. to each other. And then Amy was like, you're annoying, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the same situation, but we are not handling it the same. Yeah, Amy was definitely way more level-headed than yeah. Maggie about the whole thing. And maybe her divorce had different circumstances, but... I definitely think that Maggie had some codependent like issues that she, it was good that she like decided to go to a therapist. Cause I know that she was really against it at first. She was like, I don't need to go and talk to a therapist. Mm-hmm. She's like, she said that to Simon, I think where he suggested that she maybe talk to a therapist and. Well, and then the was- lady, the, her boss, right. That's who she ends up living with. Yeah. I think even her, like they were talking and uh, Maggie had made a comment about not going to, not like just kind of nonchalantly mentioned she wasn't doing therapy and Maggie or the girl, the older lady Maris, I think was like, you're not in therapy right now. Like she was shocked by that. And Maggie was like, no, but like, mm-hmm. of course I'm not in therapy. Why would I do that? Yeah. Who goes to therapy? I'm dealing with these extreme emotions and circumstances. Why and would I go talk I'm to someone? I'm doing it really well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coping with being, or by being a serial dater, sleeping with men and women, and drinking. And doing drugs. Also, I have an point. on point. Drugs. Yeah. Yeah. She snorted the cocaine. In the um, Not even the nice bathrooms. It was the outside bathrooms. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, like that whole scene where the couple wanted her to have a threesome in the bathroom, and she's, she's like in there. On the floor. She just ends up watching from the floor. Imagine <laughs> how awkward that would be. Right? Like, why would you stay? Why would you not just walk out? <laughs> And then, and then it was almost like they felt like it was a th- like that they had all participated when they when they had finished like they they were all in it together and I'm like this is the weirdest thing <laughs> so weird I don't know I feel like though by the end I feel like she just started accepting that maybe she had some work to do like Miranda when she finished the book she had kind of said like she got with less whiny but I don't know I still didn't like her by the end I definitely felt like she still had a lot of work to do but um at least she has gotten herself onto a path to do the work well and I think that her hooking up with Amy like and moving in with Amy I feel like that was going to be helpful for her because then she can kind of see how her life could be as a divorced woman and not like wallow in her misery and just like hate on herself. Yeah. I don't think that that was helpful. (laughs) Yeah. And like some, I I remember who it was. I really had a hard time following like the names of these people. Um, (laughs) Just listening to it. It was a lot of, a lot of people getting introduced at once. Anyway, somebody had told her like, you have to figure out how to still live like through the grief. And mm-hmm. they were like, you have to figure out how to get up and go to work, even though you're sad. So, and I, it wasn't that after the lady got like fell and bruised her hip. Yeah. It was probably Maris because she um, was talking about like her troubles with her daughter and um, her husband passing and all of that. Yeah. I feel like that, that scene there, like, really kind of showed her how selfish she was being too. I feel like, yeah, that fall with Maris and then having that conversation was what opened up Maggie's eyes and realizing yeah, the, that the she, nurse friend. I think she just realized how destructive she was being. Mm-hmm. 
So, and how her actions could actually affect somebody else. I think until then she had been in kind of her own little bubble. And like, I understand, um, like one time, so one time in church, we had this whole, um, how to help somebody through a hard time lesson Mm -hmm. and people were giving suggestions and all of these things. And I was like, sometimes you just want to be the saddest person in the room. Like sometimes when something happens, you just want people to listen to you be sad and you don't want them to give you their perspective or how you could do better, or you just want validation that this is a hard time. But I think that she took it like, farther than that like everything she did needed validation versus like we're gonna validate you and then we're gonna move on from this right it was like always needing that validation in it yeah she wanted to sit in being sad and she wanted to sit in being the victim for like what it was going to be a year before her divorce could be finalized Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like she just wanted it to be about her all the time, every day. And she was being really mean about it. She really enjoyed being able to just kind of like post things on Twitter that were just like, I don't know, like men are trash. And then because you, there's always going to be somebody on the internet who's like also (laughs) in a wallowing yeah they're like yeah it's queen yeah and she's like oh my gosh 80 people like that was where she was getting her validation from and Mm -hmm. she's like oh I post these feelings that I'm having and then all these people repost it because they agree with it they reach Mm -hmm. yeah she did get really into social media there for a minute yeah I, I thought I couldn't believe when she was at the wedding and she was like live tweeting her opinions, and somebody Say was like, "Not the nicest things." Like somebody was like, "Maybe you should stop." <laughs> She's like, "These are just my opinions," and they were like, "Yeah, but the couple doesn't want to hear them." <laughs> I think she says something similar to her dad when she's living with her dad, like along not similar, but. She's like, I just realized that you don't have to say everything that comes to your head out loud. She's like, I could just write them down for myself. I also like that she started putting like dots every time she had what was an urge to text or call her husband or something. Like every time she had an urge to do something that she was trying to stop doing. She put a dot in a Google Doc, and then she realized that she had 87 dots or something like that. Oh, yeah. And she was like, holy cow. (laughs) So I definitely think she became more self-aware toward the end of the book. But the book was a lot of her just whining. Yeah. And it it was kind of, I felt like one of her friends in her friend group where I just wanted to, like... Cut like radio silence, cut her off for a little bit because <laughs> I did struggle with those like little non chapters, like in between all the chapters. Oh, yeah, the like emails or the like yeah. these are things that I was texted on my birthday that I didn't appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I think that part of the book was very Bridget Jones. Like, mm-hmm. I because I way just she would things. just write down everything she did. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, you're fine. I was just listening to the audio version, so I would just skip those sections. <laughs> so oh, I didn't skip the the fight with um with Simon, Simon. the abridged fight, because I figured that would be pretty important. But like none of them really seemed like they would hold that much importance. Like um, let's see, I'm gonna I'm gonna read some titles. <laughs> Of these chapters, Google searches on April fourth. Like I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. It adds nothing. Unanswered texts from August sixth to. 6th, I don't care. I don't care who you. The emails where she would be like to so and so from. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like it added. It added nothing to the story. I felt like personally, maybe the author would disagree, but. <laughs> I do feel like this writing style, though, is more of what I thought Bridget Jones was going to be like. 
Yeah, like yeah. less journal, more um, memoir sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the section, like the little non-chapter that I like like the least. The well-meaning conversations with loved ones. And mostly I didn't like it because she would just start, it was like she'd tell you like half the sentence that they said. And then it would just like move on to the next person. To the, and I was like, this is just annoying. I don't care that you don't care what these people <laughs> yeah or like the devast or emotionally devastating things my therapist said like i I, I read those and i'm like those don't feel emotionally devastating to me like they just feel like i mean maybe that's the point like maybe understanding that what she thinks is this big chaotic moment that her therapist said this thing and you're like that's normal (laughs) yeah uh, yeah yeah and I liked when um she was on the phone with John and she was like maybe the things we did weren't that bad they were just normal maybe we just didn't know they were normal like (laughs) you just when you said normal that reminded me of that moment of craziness her psychotic break on her husband I think it's funny that for a book called Really Good Actually, I didn't think it was really good, actually. (laughs) (laughs) There was, okay, just speaking of the title, there was a book that said, how are you doing? And I think I was with Kelly and Kelly was like, we should put our book next to it. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? Really good, actually. Really good, actually. Yeah, she she wanted people to believe she was really good, but she wasn't. She, I think she wanted to believe she was really good. Everybody saw through that, though. Everybody was like, mm-hmm. you're a hot mess. <laughs> and they were trying to help her not be a hot mess, and she just didn't want it. She wanted um, to be a hot mess. Can we talk about that other extreme moment where she went to that cycling class and tried to get to the top of the board just so that she could apologize? I think I took that at that point. Okay, she, she like, after the wedding, Amy's not talking to her anymore, right? Uh Uh-huh. So she's trying to apologize to Amy, but Amy is not responding to her. So she knows that Amy really likes this, like, intense cycling class. And she knows that this cycling class has a leaderboard on the wall. And so as you're going, it'll your name will bounce up. And if at the end you're number one, then you get this shout out from the teacher. So she puts her name in as I'm sorry, Amy. And she gets up there to like, <laughs> she gets up to like number three or something. And then, um, just like she can't keep up and so she starts falling down again so she's like in this dark cycling class like amy i'm sorry <laughs> no okay so hold on i just found it so first, so first okay so blake's the teacher's name and he says let's cheer for i'm sorry amy and <laughs> He says, here they come. They know what they did and they're repenting on the bike, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And then she starts falling down the leaderboard and there's a break between songs. And so in the break, she like stands up on her bike and she's like, I'm sorry. Amy, it's me. And then she says, please take me back. You said women like this. It was kind of funny. Uh, this woman. <laughs> Can you imagine being friends with somebody like her? Like, I mean, Amy said she liked it, so <laughs> she's just like so chaotic. She brings a lot of chaotic energy. That seems very, very like rom com esque. Only I would imagine it more being like a guy trying to like Maggie afterward they were talking and she's like I'm sorry that now everybody in this class thinks you're in some like crazy lesbian <laughs> like relationship <laughs> Amy was like it's okay it's kind of fun but <laughs> I do think it's funny though that you when before you picked this book you were like I should do something wedding related because I'm getting married 
Never mind. I'm not going to do a wedding. I'm going to do a divorce. Do divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I had, the book had been on my list for a while and I kept seeing it and it said it was funny, which I think it was funny in like, in like a secondhand embarrassment. Like it's funny because it's sad. It's funny because I can understand those emotions type of a thing. Not necessarily like just laugh out funny. A funny book. Yeah. I like how in the sleeve, so like in the synopsis of the thing, it's like, um, okay, now she has time to take up nine hobbies, eat hamburgers at 4 a.m. Oh, that was a funny little thing where like they were calling they her, her husband. husband because they couldn't get her. They were like ringing no, the doorbell. They, they didn't ring the no, doorbell. They didn't ring the doorbell. They had a call first policy. Oh, yeah. okay. And so it was but their was the to show up and just call the phone number. Don't knock on the door. And so they were calling her husband every night at 4 a.m. <laughs> and she's like, it's for my cat. <laughs> He's on a very specific diet and he has to eat exactly at 4 a.m. <laughs> Could you imagine taking your animal to the vet and the vet like straight face looking at you? You need to wake up at 4 a.m. to feed your cat hamburgers hamburgers <laughs> from this and it was restaurant. like and she said it was like the sad hamburger like it was literally cheese yeah, it's, and yeah, a pickle or something like it was the only restaurant still delivering at 4 a.m like <laughs> it was just meat on a bun <laughs> Yeah, well, then it says, like, Maggie barrels through her first year of single life intermittently dating. I don't feel like she intermittently dated. I feel like she serial dated. (laughs) Occasionally waking up on the floor and asking herself tough questions along the way. I don't know. The book jacket definitely makes it seem way more interesting. Like, more more like she's actively processing her divorce versus just wallowing sad about it yeah yeah also i was telling miranda that um i decided just for kicks and giggles to because when i listened to the audiobook i listened to it at least one and a half speed by the end i was trying to get through it and so i was listening at 1.7 but when i slowed it down to her actual voice the narrator speaks so slow I was like, I could read faster than this. I don't know why I would sit down and listen to this audiobook when I could li- like read faster than this. It was it was kind of painful to listen to her read. And her always has a comment about the audiobooks. I, I do it's every time. always it's always painful to like once you've been listening to it fast and anytime you try to slow it down, you're like, this is really slow. Also, I think that I'm just in a state where um, I feel like every book that we ever read is <laughs> is narrated by this person with extreme anxiety who talks really fast. <laughs> it's like it's just your speed. <laughs> everything is the most dramatic and important thing that they ever spoke because they have to get out really fast. The audiobook did a good job of like switching between when she was actually speaking to when these were just like thoughts in her mind. Like you could tell the difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I did appreciate that she didn't try to make man voices. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. Or like when the man, if there's a man narrator and he tries to make girl voices, like that's just always really weird. So I did appreciate that. It's a book review. So I have to review my experience. And that was part of my experience. Good. <laughs> okay, what would you guys rate this book? Oh, I have to remember our rating system. We have DNF, which uh, surprisingly this time everyone read it. <laughs> We have one star, absolutely hate this book, actively suggest people not read this book, finished it just to spite people who liked it. Night uh, Circus. <laughs> two stars, just a bad book. Maybe one or two things were nice, but not enough to make up for all the terrible things. Uh, three stars, don't regret reading, but wouldn't read it again. 3.5 is nice, simple I would book. give it a two star. <laughs> a two star. You don't have to keep going. 
I would say like two, I would say like two and a half. I was, was going to say like three. It it was relatively not terrible, but I'm not going to actively like go out and tell people to read yeah, it. I think if I think it would be a book that I point to and I'd be like, I read that. And then if somebody was like, <laughs> what did you think? I would say, meh. And then I would like move on. <laughs> Maybe that is how we should rate our things. Like, meh. Like three. <laughs> it's, like, it's boo. It's nutty. It's yeah. good. <laughs> well, like, it's not bad. <laughs> this is <laughs> right. Like, like Chef's kiss. If you saw this book again in the bookstore with a friend who has never read this book, and they were like, "How was it? How would you react?" <laughs> I would give it's it two stars. To home about. I would say, "Don't read it." <laughs> <laughs> I read it so you don't have to. This <laughs> should be the new team of our book, our podcast. <laughs> Sisters, we read it so you don't have to. <laughs> I feel like the trend with the books that we've been picking. I feel like we're like, <laughs> we we really like um, Crawdad. Yeah, we yeah. did like the second book. <laughs> I think we have one other book that we rated like four or five stars. Yeah, I don't remember which one that was though. I think you guys really liked what was it, November Nine? I think you guys really liked that one. I think you guys really liked that one. <laughs> I didn't really like it. <laughs> so overall, though, we give this a 2.5. Yeah. My rating wins. <laughs> hey, All we right. do have a lot of four stars, I would like to note. Do we? So four stars is, yeah, that was a good book. Moving on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Next month. Next month, we are reading Long Live the Pumpkin Queen. Bye. For two, oh, sorry, Shay Earnshaw. So it is a, um, what is it? What's it called? A retelling? So I don't think it's, it's a retelling. retelling. Like it's a like a an sequel. Ex- kind of, yeah. Like a, like a spinoff, I think. Yeah, spinoff is. From. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, the Tim Burton movie. So it's, but it's uh, Sally. So it's after her and Jack, the Pumpkin King, become married. And she's like navigating that. So do you want me to read the thing? Sure. It says, Jack and Sally are truly meant to be. Or are they? I should be a narrator. <laughs> Sally Skellington, because they're married now, is the official newly minted pumpkin queen after a whirlwind courtship with her true love, Jack. Sally adores Jack with every inch of her fabric seams. If only she could say the same for her new role as queen of Halloween Town. Cast into the spotlight and tasked with all sorts of queenly duties, Sally can't help wondering if she's treated her captivity under Dr. Frank. Finkelstein for a different, albeit gilded cage. But when Sally and Zero accidentally uncover a long hidden doorway to an ancient realm called Dream Town, she unknowingly sets in motion a chain of sinister events that will put her future as Pumpkin Queen and the future of Halloween Town itself in jeopardy. Can Sally discover what it means to be true to herself and save the town she's learned to call home, or will her future turn into her worst, uh, well, nightmare? So, so it's Nightmare Before Christmas, Sally version. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. But it's short, so that's nice. Yeah, it's not a long book, and the words are big. They're big words. So <laughs> that'll help Thank you. I listen to the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the words are at least twice as big, maybe 75% bigger than the really good actually words. So. Okay, can I share a little tidbit about all these Tim Burton movies that yes. our brother Jeffrey shared with me once upon a time? Sure. Okay, because you know he knows all these weird little things about pop He knows a lot of weird things about everything. So, <laughs> Tim Burton 
co-produced the nightmare before christmas okay yes and then on all these other things like caroline frankenweenie all those like same style they are advertised as by the producer of the nightmare before christmas because it's the other producer like everybody knows tim burton and everybody assumes it's tim burton but tim burton was a co-producer and they just say from the producer of the nightmare before christmas but if you Google it, like Caroline, Tim Burton had nothing to do with Caroline. Tim Burton Coraline. had nothing. Whatever. See, I, I'm not a fan of these movies. Anyways. Coraline wouldn't uh, accept that. <laughs> now the Russian guy calls her Caroline and she's like, Mah! anyway. Oh. Anyways, I just think that's very, I just think that's funny that everybody's always like, oh yeah, the Tim Burton style movies. And I'm like, they're not Tim Burton. like his stuff is usually darker i think like um uh he did do edward scissorhands i know he did uh didn't he do wednesday maybe like the show yeah i'm pretty sure he did wednesday maybe he did um oh my gosh it was just in my head anyways I feel like his stuff is is usually a little darker. Um, yeah, I just insane. I just when when Jeff like first told me that he was like because of the language they use of made by the producer of Nightmare Before Christmas, everybody like just assumes this work with like Tim Burton, but it's not Tim Burton's work. But mm-hmm. that producer is lesser known, so they were like they purposely did it that way. I just huh. think it's interesting. Oh, Beetlejuice. He did Beetlejuice. Yeah, but none of those are like the animated stuff that people associate oh, with. He did uh, Batman also. Oh, he also did do Batman. The Corpse Bride, though. I think he like co-worked on that. And both of the Alice in Wonderland movies. Also not animated. <laughs> <laughs> Jill's like, I'm still like, right. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it says, so the Quartz Bride, it says it's a 2005 stop-motion animated musical directed by Mike Johnson, who's listed first, and Tim Burton. So, anyway, that's my little, the more you know, fact. <laughs> the more you know. Tim Burton did, in fact, direct Frank and Weenie. Oh, he did? All by himself? Or is he listed second? He's listed as the director. <laughs> It just says director Tim Burton. Well, so some of them but also Frankenweenie is kind of like a really. I mean, it's a remake, but um, it is kind of like a really twisted story. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen any story. of these movies actually. Really, I've seen most of them. Big Fish. I loved Big Fish. I used to watch that Not a lot. Frankenweenie is about a dog that gets hit by a car and then the kid brings it back to life. Like Frankenstein. And then so people, like, <laughs> and then kids in the like as like he like electrocutes like it's like a Frankenstein story. And then the uh-huh. kids in the in the neighborhood decide that they want all of their dead pets to become alive again. But because they're not <laughs> brought back with love they turn into these monstrous creatures and like a kid is almost killed and frank and weenie kit like saves the day it's the whole thing it's <laughs> so you want to watch it thing jill <laughs> anyways oh he's listed as, as somebody who worked on dumbo live action no the, the new one the one Oh, and James and the Giant Peach. That's totally a Tim Burton movie. Also, he worked with Henry Cavill on Superman. (laughs) If you follow us on Instagram, you can learn how Kelly feels about Henry Cavill and whoever plays Jamie. (laughs) Uh, Sam Hewen. Henry Cavill is definitely more my type. You know, tall, dark, all that. Not really a redhead girl. (laughs) <laughs> that's good to know for when I'm shopping for gifts for you <laughs> like you're gonna buy me a man <laughs> no. 
I'm sure my husband would be super excited to receive that. I'm sure whatever man I found would be super excited to be given as a gift. <laughs> You're just like walking down, listen, down the street. You know, come here. Get in the box. <laughs> You like abduct somebody. <laughs> I'll just work poke some holes in, this, in the box and he'll be fine. <laughs> you just like find him and you're like holding it ready to poke holes. <laughs> Come here now. <laughs> I'm glad you guys the got things my I do for you. I'm glad. <laughs> it reminds me of those Instagram the posts that where people are like, um, my friend called and said to, what was it? It's like bring a hammer and dress in a costume or something. And you see this person in one of those puffy blow up costumes. I saw one as a Care Bear recently, and they like ran down with like a hammer and he like fell. <laughs> Don't ask questions. It's what is it? Bring a hammer, wear a costume. Don't ask questions, and they just like <laughs> run. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Okay, well, on that note, uh, follow us on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook and TikTok, and, TikTok and uh, join our newsletter and, and listen to our podcast. <laughs> like us and share us. I actually heard recently that if you like copy the link to a post, it pushes it more than just like liking it or sharing it so i don't even think you have to paste the link anywhere i think as long as you copy the link you're like hey anyways if you like us and you want to help us make new friends more friends i don't know maybe do that if you want <laughs> if you want you want to be my lover. okay bye bye <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, Jill. Oh, bye. <laughs> she did. <laughs> She's invited everybody to love her. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping this. Bye.